start. Sooners of Oklahoma 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode, a bowl preview episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, and alongside me, former Sooner, 2000 national champ, and got the dub against the Seminoles. Mr. Damien Mackey, how we doing this uh, bowl week, D-Mac? What's going on, brother? Happy holidays to you. Doing well. Playing daddy daycare with the kids. Man, they home and got them out. I got my daughter a paint set, so she's painting. You should see, man, painting Horizons. And my son got this new Rubik's Cube thing. It's got all these little extra gadgets and gizmos on it. Of course, they love playing on their tablets. And, uh, you know, my kids are... Believe it or not, man, they like Star Wars. So, like every day, we're watching we're watching the saga from the beginning. So we're watching the, the Anakin, you know, the 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 Anakin as a kid, all that good stuff. We're right at the <laughs> we're right at the original uh, Empire Strikes Back. So it'll be fun for them to see the lack of technological advancement on Episode Four. We just <laughs> finished Han Solo yesterday, <laughs> so we'll see how they like nice. the OG versions, which are my favorites. So doing yeah. well, man. Excited about tomorrow. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what we come out there playing like and our and our energy and you know like stuff for me you know i'm i'm um man i, I am i am anxious about the record i want us to keep that record and, and i just think that in this game there's a lot of things going against our favor in terms of you know players who are leaving and and some of their strengths in our areas where we need to improve so it'll be a it'll be an interesting game tomorrow to see how we play what type of energy we come out with then 21 years later, if we can't, you know, beat that ass again in Florida, uh, this time under, you know, much lower stakes. Yeah. You know, and I'll echo it again. I hope everybody did have a Merry Christmas and a uh, happy new year as that uh, comes around. But the Sooners, they're going to be going toe to toe with the Florida State Seminoles. OU coming in with a 500 record, uh, as DMAC said. A chance to have a losing record, but still an opportunity to put one more W on the board. And OU kind of uh, limped into this one, if you will. Florida State's 9-3. and three. The teams feel very, very different. Florida State right now with a 9.5 point spread the last time I took a look. And taking that into account, DMAC, I want to throw some numbers at you for this season. OU. Four and eight against the spread on the year. But here's the big one. One and six against the spread against teams with a winning record. What does that say to you? Damn. Damn. Well, here's what it says, right? It says we are going against our history. If we are one and six, that means Vegas is basing how we're going to perform this year based upon how we've traditionally done the last five and 10 years. And um, we are deviating farther away from how we have traditionally played. I mean, obviously the big 12 conference is one we've dominated four or five in a row and you know, tons. I don't know if we've got 10 or how many we have total, but it just means this year is an outlier. It's another data point that essentially says, right. Vegas would, would prefer the line to be closer to 500, right? Four and three or, or three and four. One and six means they're giving us more credit than we deserve. And on the field, we're showing we don't deserve it. And, and then you hit the nail on the head. Winning records mean teams that have a foundation set, teams or dynamic players, right? We talked about months ago, five plays generally can tell you if you win or lost a game. And more often than not, those five plays have been going against us, our favor versus for our favor. And we've talked about it a ton, Barry, right? The things that Baker Mayfield does that can fix some of your warts, the things that Kyler Murray does that fix some of your warts, the things that Jalen Hurts does that fix some of your warts. 
you don't have that dynamic playmaker uh, as a trigger man, and now you're depending on the entire team. Um, and, and we just not we're just not there yet. We don't have the talent um, that we've traditionally had. And you know, obviously, Coach V coming on and and wrapping up this recruiting class and getting some things done in the portal. We got more work to do, taking us in the right direction. But dang, one in six, bro. I mean, can't put lipstick on a pig and call her a dying piece. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, when you flip that, Florida State eight and four against the spread this year, five and one in uh, the last six games against the spread after a loss. Ton of stuff going in their favor. Uh, but before we get into the nuts and bolts of the matchup and talk numbers and players and personnel, the bowl trip, obviously fun for the guys who have never done it. A uh, bit of an old hat for some of the older guys because they've been to a bowl. Some of these guys have been to playoff games, so it is probably a different experience. Uh, Sooner fans got to see uh, Michael Turk enjoying the uh, Cheez-It room on Twitter. This room was decked out in nothing but Cheez-It stuff. If you guys haven't had a chance to go check it out, OU has retweeted it on the official OU Twitter. It's funny. It's good times. Looks like the players are enjoying themselves. Uh, seems they went either to Disney World or Universal. They hit up one of those. Uh, just having a good time in Florida. Orlando, Florida is a great place to uh, go and tour, right? It's not necessarily on the beach, about 45 minutes away, but still a fantastic time for a lot of guys, some of which who have never been there. Uh, DMAC, you guys made the trip to uh, Shreveport, but I want to talk more about the Miami trip. As I would imagine, they're probably a little bit better. Uh, talk a little bit about your bowl experience when you guys went. And it was definitely different stakes, as you alluded to. But you guys still had the chance to have some fun, cut loose a little bit. Uh, but then it was about winning the game. Yeah, man, bowl game. First things first, bowl game just means you get to continue playing football and it delays offseason. So, so just from a psychological standpoint, it's important. I knew bowl prep, especially like I told you, um, I think about a month ago, I learned quickly that bowl practices were practices that were going to essentially set the initial off-season depth chart going into spring. And, and maybe some guys aren't smart enough to, to, to recognize that, but I'm sure a lot of them, the last 10, 12 days, they've been practicing. And we'll talk about some of the guys we've been hearing things about. But they've been practicing and there's a very clear intentional time for puppies and red shirts and third teamers and guys who have been showing signs and promise over the course of the season to have a chance to uh, potentially get plays. And especially with some of the rule changes they've made now where you can it doesn't count against a red shirt to play and they've got all these waivers and some of the new kids are there practicing. I mean, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things to look forward to just from on the field additional practice but then who hates it's in the month of january and you're in miami and you're on the beach and you're walking around and you know what i'm saying swim trunks and, and you've got flippity flops on I'm, I'm a i'm a slides guy i'm not a the thong whatever one you know saying i don't do the split the toe one i don't do that one yeah. I, do the, I do i do the i do the sports slides you know mm. um and so you know you walk in the beach you got your glasses on and 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 here's what i would always think about my nine the 98 season we didn't go to a bowl game and for some of that time after thanksgiving break before school let out i was in norman and it was freaking freezing like it brought me back to my recruitment visit where i was like i don't want to be here well the bowl game gives you the reprieve and you're in you know i imagine it's 70s i know orlando i was in orlando about three weeks ago and it was it was uh, untraditionally cold that, that time we were there in fact we missed disney world because of that but I know it's not Oklahoma weather, especially knowing what you guys just dealt with the last, you know, over the Christmas, the 23rd to the 26th, right? So those guys, they flew out, I believe, Christmas morning um, or Christmas afternoon, and they're enjoying the weather. You know, you, you eat good food. The hospitality rooms are pretty cool. They keep it full of, you know, it's, it's got a lot of junk food. And by the way, this is kind of like one of those ones where Schmitty can't like super, you know what I'm saying, gatekeep. You know, they're, they're going to let you eat some candy because they want to market their stuff. I'm sure there's I'm sure everybody there is eating a million cheese. It's which, by the way, I do. Not, I'm not a huge cheese guy. I'm more of a 
I'm a cracker guy. Give me some Ritz. Give me some. You know what I'm saying? I'd I prefer yeah. to go to the Ritz bowl game than the cheese at bowl game. But <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. They're both pretty cheesy. If you ask me, oh my god, they're both Get pretty cheesy. Here. But man, they're, they're having a good time, and and that's where I I enjoy. I remember some of the younger guys, and boy, I don't want to say no names, but listen, th- I, you know, I know this is kind of like a a PG. You know what I'm saying? Or at least PG-13. But I know some guys who lost. Let's just say I know some guys who lost some things on both visits and they weren't <laughs> physical things. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I had teammates lose certain things, certain values while on both visits or get exposed to new things on both visits. By the way, Shreveport is, is pretty. Anyway, so. Going, going to Miami, going to Shreveport, even own, oh, and Dallas was ridiculous. Holy freaking moly! You know, I wasn't very accustomed to Dallas at that time because you know I, I was just moving from Cali, and Roy hadn't gotten to the league, and I hadn't lived there ever. Well, we got introduced to the Dallas nightlife, and it was like, whoa, holy freaking moly! Guys knew some stuff and did some things and went some places, and I, I let's just say I wanted to keep my per diem checks for things that I thought were more valuable than losing them in five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Without gambling. Yep. So I was like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. But plenty of guys did. And the stories I heard were pretty damn good. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to get none of my boys in trouble. There you go. Well, man, let's let's dive into the matchup a little bit. Uh, the, the Sooner team has been much discussed on this podcast all year. I want to talk offensive side of the ball first because. Florida State, DMAC, they're not looked at this year as having an incredibly stout defense, but you don't hit that nine and three mark without at least being competent. But one of the things uh, that's kind of interesting that I brought up right before the podcast Florida State not only ranks top 10 in the country in yards per play on offense, but they actually rank in the top 10. they rank inside the top 10 on yards per play on defense, giving up 4.73 yards a game. Uh, they got a DB leading the team in tackles, but have an edge who's an NFL guy uh, named Jared Verse. I believe he is playing. And that's another key to this is Florida State. They are almost similar to that OU team in 2020, where they are looking to next year but in a different way than OU is looking to it. OU is going into rebuild mode. They're going to replace some guys. This Florida State team, they feel like they've got something. They feel like Norvell is taking this thing in the right direction. And with Jordan Travis there, fully engaged, who is a mobile quarterback who has improved down the stretch. Florida State has a five-game win streak where games really haven't been close. Right, I think Florida State or uh, Florida was their closest game, and that was still a, I believe, a ten or twelve point win um, against the Gators. So Florida State coming in with all the momentum, OU coming in off of a loss. Let's talk a little bit about the guy who's going to be leading the Sooner offense and what this game might mean in terms of transfer portal. Everybody heard what Levy said, so I believe it is safe. For Sooner Nation to talk about it a little bit, Lebby definitely did not give Sooner Nation a, a boat of confidence uh, when asked if Gabriel, if this will be the last game, or not exactly sure how the question was phrased, but all he said was, I'm sure he'll be ready to play on the 29th and we'll get his best effort, but really disregarded any discussion on Gabriel entering the portal. So talking about him. And then, of course, taking it out to the other guys as the depth chart will be slightly different, particularly along the offensive line. What is your feel for what this game is going to mean for the Sooners as it pertains to Dylan Gabriel, not just this game in a vacuum, but also going into next season? You know, there's there are a couple of things that really concern me. One, you talked about some of the advantages in 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 terms of some of our some of our veteran guys leaving, our best offensive player is, is probably going to be a first or second round draft pick, and that's Antoine. Um, uh, some of the other depth on the line is you know checked out. 
We just secured probably the highest rated quarterback we've, um, well, I guess since Rattler, but even then, right? Like just a, a five star who plays, you know, two hours south of us and, and is a homegrown hero, I would say, a homegrown star at the bare minimum. Um, I, I would say the safety valve or the security blanket of the offense, the second half of the season, or the second best player on the offense was Eric Gray, and he's also not playing in the game. That's pressure for Dylan. And for those listeners who've been, you know, listening to us, I'd say since after K-State, which is when we started to see signs of some serious um, leadership, lack of leadership traits, this is this is going to be an interesting time. And I don't want to call it scary. I don't want I think that's a little exaggeration, but I think it's kind of interesting to see how he will respond. And, and, and Barry, it's the first quarter is going to tell us everything we need to know. In the first quarter, we will know, number one, if OU came to play. And by the way, great opportunity to have a chip on your shoulder, to be the underdog, to say you guys don't believe in us. And and show, I, I think, another brick in the foundation that is a very strong culture and foundation that says rain, sleet, or snow doesn't matter. We're going to come play ball. And we're going to come kick your ass. By the way, sweet grin on my face if I see that. So that's kind of the team team kind of thought process. So let's park that. But then it also goes to Dylan. Like, okay, got it. The team is came, has come to play. Dylan, have you come to play? Because your OC doesn't make that comment if there haven't been conversations about potentially looking other places. And, and I don't think you potentially look other places if you don't think you've played up to par with what the brand of that interlocked OU on the side of your helmet says. And I don't think you concern yourself about what the, the interlocked OU on the side of your helmet says if there isn't another kid who's coming clearly with the opportunity to take your job, all that compounded, right? You, you, you consolidate that and you, and you sift through all the munition and you say to yourself, Dylan has gotten a message, whether it be, you know, message in a bottle, playing telephone with styrofoam cups. I don't know if someone had a, an iPhone and FaceTimed it, but I think the message is clear to him that one, the Sooner Nation does not feel like he played up to par. And and I still hear the OC stuff and the whatever, right? Talent, lack of talent stuff. Well, yeah, part of that is probably true. But also you got to, some of that rests on the cube. When you're the QB, you get all the glory and you got to, you got to be big enough to take some of the critiques that come with the position. So I look at Florida State. I look at their defense. By the way, they've averaged over 40 points a game, last five games of the season. Uh, they put 40 up four times. They lost to uh, to Clemson by, I believe, four points or seven points. I mean, it's 34, 38, 35, 38, some, some, some real close score. They beat the brakes. Uh, they beat the brakes off of Miami, Once something like yeah. 41 to three. If they beat Florida in a, a rivalry game by seven, it, it was a seven point game. It was something like 42, it was 38, 45, I believe, was the final score. That means they're going to come prepared to score. That means our offense has to score. That means Dylan has to come prepared to play because, and we're going to talk about the position groups here in a minute. It's not like you're turning around and handing the ball off to AD. It's not like you're, you're running action and you've got CD lamb and Mark Clayton running a crossing route in a deep post. Those guys are not here tomorrow. They're just not Mims. Mims is another guy that hopefully Hopefully he comes back, man. I hope he comes back. I think with the nucleus of guys we have, another year for him is a good thing. But I got to tell you, it's a crapshoot, man. And this is something that we've been whispering about here for, you know, five or six weeks. It's not like it's a home run. Mims comes back and we'll see what happens after the game, which, by the way, I think Mims is a guy based upon how we play might dictate if he goes or leaves. If we win because he has a, a couple of big plays and he catches a bomb and he beats a guy, he probably leaves because he doesn't think he can have a better encore. If we win with a team effort and the team is all excited and they're in the center of the field and they're all saying, Coach BV, we're going to kick ass next year, he may stay. If he only has six catches for, you know, 72 yards and as long as plays a 21-yard game. But if we get beat pretty badly, and, you know, the team feels like a team that didn't feel like they put a lot of enthuse and, you know, grit into making this a competitive game. He might leave for the sake of saying, I don't want to be a part of that. And and that, by the way, I'm stamping that on his on his uh, on his bust if he does, 
because he has the opportunity to stay. And if he runs from rebuilding, or I wouldn't even want to say rebuilding, but retooling the program, he got to own that too. And I will not let him forget it. But that's that doesn't mean a man doesn't want to go make money. And so I look at those two players, um, Barry, and I say to myself, Dylan needs to have some confidence at the beginning of the game. And Dylan needs to be responsible in some capacity for what happens. If it just so happens we get six or seven turnover, I mean, that's a lot. But, if, you know, we win the turnover margin or maybe Barnes breaks loose for a couple of runs and we've got some some schemed up stuff that we can out leverage them or we can, you know, trap them up the A-gap and we're, we're kicking their butts. That still doesn't necessarily give DG the confidence that he has what it takes personally to go compete. Um, but man, it just pains my soul to be honest with you. Like, dude, you're a fifth year college grown man. And you're thinking about portaling from an 18 year old. He's literally in high school right now. Like he's literally going to be competing with you in what should have been his spring semester of high school. There's no way if I'm me and uh Megatron is coming to OU in, in the, in, in the, in the winter. And he says, I want to play slot. I have 100% confidence that one, you know, he let's just say he's better than me. He's not going to be better than me being the top three. So they're going to put him or somebody in another position. And and I think with DG, if he just shows competency, leadership, and some development, they're not going to throw a red or true freshman to the wolves in August. And he's got to be man enough to know that. And he's got to be man enough to compete. I just don't know if he is. I just don't know if he is. And And I think that's the whole conundrum that we're all waiting to see how things play out. I mean, and that tells me everything. I mean, if players generally know when other players are are better than them, but the mentality that players with appropriate confidence, not necessarily arrogance, but the the knowing that you've done your job well and that you've prepared well, that you work on your craft, that gives you a certain level of confidence of saying, you know, yes, this guy coming in might be more athletic than me. He might have a better arm than me, but he can't do this better than me, or he can't do this thing better than me. And I'm going to have him at this. I'm going to know the playbook better. I'm going to be able to execute this because my my mental side is, is sharper than his. And players with that chip on their shoulder and the, that quiet confidence are able to to navigate that in a way where they say, you know what? I'm not going to look elsewhere. I'm going to compete my tail off and see where the chips you know, fall on the table. And the fact that it's even coming under consideration is, is a little bothersome. I wouldn't say it's unexpected because I know we've talked about it behind the scenes. We've you know, heard a few things here and there, but nothing you know, substantial. And now this comes out with, with Levy, of course. I think the most interesting piece of it is that he is a fifth-year senior, that the development is, he's about maxed out. And to me, we're going to see in this game against an opponent in Florida State who might be a fringe playoff team next year if things go right. DMAC, to me, if this game goes the way of the TCU game, where windows are real tight. DG isn't feeling the pressure well. He's not getting the ball over defenders well. He's not fitting it into those tight windows. To me, those aren't things that you necessarily go, you know, go into the lab in one offseason, this coming offseason, fix, come back, and they're infinitely better. A lot of that is you you are showing those attributes early on. And then they are polished as you progress, but rarely does a guy make a jump to, you know, elite division one playoff contention quarterbacking um, from where DG is currently playing. And, and his his current quarterbacking level is average to below average against very talented teams, or at least in the Big 12, you can say just talented teams and slightly above average against the teams that that weren't so great this year. 
And I think that's a that's a fair thing to say. Uh, the offensive line is going to be shaken up a little bit. I know Sooner fans going to be happy to see some youngsters out there. I know some guys who have been clamored for. I want to ask you before we move to the defense, though, we've heard a little bit about Nick Anderson. You've alluded to it. He shows up number two on the depth chart uh, that uh, I believe uh, KREF put out. What are your thoughts on what you might see from the wide receiver core as it pertains specifically to Anderson? Yeah, you know, first things first, man. Prayers up, right? I'm praying just because of the last name. We we just need the young man to stay healthy. Here's what I'm told: he stays healthy. He's the he has the highest ceiling in the room. Nick Anderson has the highest ceiling in the room if he stays healthy. And once they got back on those practice fields, he was reminding everybody how um, different he was than everybody else in the room, including Mims. And, and not from the standpoint of he's running 10 yards behind everybody like Mims can do on occasion, but just he understands windows. He understands defenses. He catches the competitive ball. He's a long kid. He's sneaky fast. Um, you know, it's interesting because when I went and got, got a chance to see them scrimmage uh, at the alumni scrimmage, I, I he wasn't playing. You know, I had heard a bunch about what he was doing. And I think that was the week he got hurt in practice. And so at that scrimmage, I only got to see Gibson and Gibson had a hell of a play. Gibson, Gibson kind of, he kind of, he, he mossed somebody in the end zone opposite us. I guess that would have been the, uh, the North side end zone. So I, uh, I am excited to see the development of some of the players that have been incubated in that program. Again, I want to mirror some of the things that I witnessed because I can only, I can only talk about what I experienced. When we went seven and five, um, you know, no one thought we were going to go win the Natty next year. But when we went seven and five, our red shirts were boys, dudes, balling. And obviously there was no context to see how they would perform against other competition. But we knew they played well against us on both sides of the ball, on both sides of the ball. And so I say that to say, I hear. Um, a lot of going on inside of that program with some of the younger guys who BV and those guys recruited and some of the holdovers from, from, from Link's years, uh, the year before that are making waves, right? I'm talking about the Taylors and the Sextons. I'm obviously bird bird's been in the program two years now, right? Anderson, um, you know, I haven't heard much on Gibson per se, but you know, remember I was telling you about the running back Tawi. You know, I, I didn't even remember him. I actually went back and watched film, like, oh yeah, I do remember the late JUCO kid. But there's some guys who are chomping at the bit, and it's what I mean by there's going to be an opportunity in the first quarter for us to just see how serious OU is, and it'll be inter- it'll be fun, man. I don't want to use interesting. It's going to be fun to see if Anderson comes out. And shows us that he has the makings of an alpha. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, and this is why I always feel weird when we have the conversation about Mims, Mims always felt like a beta to me. And not beta in the sense of like, and let me not use beta because beta does have a negative connotation. So let me take that back and say a number two. My opinion, Mims is like a really good number two. And I think in the right offense in the NFL could be a guy who plays six, eight years. If he stays healthy, he, he, he's got a lot of talent, but he doesn't, he does, he absolutely does not have like the Ryan Broyles gene or the Mark Clayton gene, or, you know, even, even, you know, definitely not the CD lamb gene. Like he doesn't have that gene where like, okay, we need a big play. Who's going to make it? Who's going to make it? Oh, hell yeah. They threw the ball to Mims and he made the play when we were behind or, or trying to steal or seize momentum. He did it. He did it with Caleb against uh, against Texas. And and that was something that I think was showing the makings of what could be. But he hasn't, especially in a year where we needed him to do that. He, you know, Sterling Shepard helped will us to victory in Tennessee. Sterling and Bake would not let us lose. Plenty of games like that with those guys. I want to say something else before we transition over to and and it, and it, and it goes back to DG and I'm not trying to pile on him. But at OU, we've seen different skill sets um articulate into excellence and i mean like heisman caliber excellence right i think bake is probably the best mix of everything he was athletic enough to beat you if it was third and six he could go get you eight his arm talent was one where he could make all the throws i mean he made some unbelievable throws into small windows and then with anticipation 
I mean, he was he was more he was more accurate than uh, Mahomes in college, which is crazy. But he was he absolutely was. And then, of course, his mind. Right. Baker not only had the mind of the X's and O's, but also just a dog where if he was on your team and he was your quarterback, you loved him. If everybody else hated him. So I would say Baker was the perfect mix. Then you had Kyler, who was a, he was the, the quickest guy on the field. Ninety nine percent of the time. He had equal or maybe better arm talent, for sure, long arm talent. His long ball was better than Bakes. Um, And he also had a mind. He, you know, I don't know how much control he had of place, but he, he did enough and knew enough of the playbook to get the ball to the guy who he, he always seemed to find the open guy. And, and there's, there's something to that, whether it's the old regime or new regime. Jalen Hurts obviously was on the edge of being an athlete, literally a second running back playing quarterback with enough arm talent to keep defenses honest. He's taken it to another level in the NFL. But then I go back to my, my old quarterback, right? You look at Josh. Josh was six, one and a half. Josh was 218 pounds. Josh ran a four, eight, nine, four, nine, one forty. By the way, Josh wasn't like Tom Brady slow. Josh, Josh was a, a, a decent athlete for quarterback. Go watch film. You, you'll see it. Um, but Josh was a 99 at mine. Josh called plays at the line of scrimmage. Josh literally got us in and out of plays, terrible plays that we called in the huddle or that coach brought in and put us in the amazing plays and put us in the plays that uh, uh, matched his arm talent. Josh knew if we're throwing a fade, he can't wait four seconds like DG does and have to throw from the hip. Josh got that ball up early and let us run under it. He, he just he was a four star general in that regard. And so I say that to say at the end of the day, DG, like you said, in year six, I think, or five or six, whatever year this is going to be, this is going to be year five. We can't we can't use a predictor and say, yeah, all of a sudden he's going to make all these giant leaps and improvements in areas where for four years he hasn't shown he can do it. And I, I honestly think and just kind of fleshing that through my own mind. It's probably a very honest conversation Levy's had with him. And and I yeah. and like I said to you, when that conversation came out, it probably is at least semi-mutual. And let me tell you what I think. And this is this is totally just my own thinking because I haven't talked to anybody. But you know, Barry, I think about it. What do you think Levy's intention was for posting that tweet or for saying that at the media for the media deal? You know what he was doing? You know what I think he was doing? I think he was recruiting quarterbacks considering going into the transfer portal. Yeah. That is a unique scenario where there's a quarterback who says, my main competition, although a five-star and a kid that if you're in this region of America, you know who he is. He's a household name. But guys, let me tell you, if it were me, and I had, if I'm four years into the game, Mackie, and I'm healthy, and some school recruited A.J. Green, Right. I'm sorry. And he's coming in as a true freshman. And I know what it takes to be a college ball player. I'm going to that school. I'm all good with competing with him, even if he has a different body type, even if he's a four, three guy, six, two, whatever. I'm five eleven and I run a four, four, eight and I can run every route in the book and I can beat every coverage in the book and I can recognize it pre-snap. Let's play ball. You know what I'm saying? Like DG has so many things to his advantage. He needs to. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell him what he needs to do, but I hope he understands the advantages he has, or maybe he just knows who he is and maybe his coach knows who he is. And I 100%, and this is just my own assumption, presumption. I think Levy lets that out because there is a quarterback at some university near us who is on the fence or on the fence with OU and that little Easter egg, that little nugget needed to be put there before that quarterback made a decision to go some other place. Because I think best case scenario, would you agree? Best case scenario is Jackson comes in as the two has a year to learn under his belt, potentially puts us in a position where our quarterback can play free because we know that Jackson's the second guy and, and we can run the full, you know, the full offense. But I, I don't think Levy's ideal situation is Jackson has to come in in his very first August. He's basically pushed into a starting position versus earning it or being the best guy on the field. So I just want to speak to that because I think there's some things in that that need to be unpacked. And I think there's some aspects to DG that 
although we're not in his mind, there are aspects to the position that, you know, people know what the makeup of a QB is and what makes them transcendent or what makes them special. And in all three regards, athleticism, his mind and his arm talent, he's probably in a 75 to 83. Would you would you agree? And in most of those in most of those categories. Yeah, yeah. And and that is why he succeeded at UCF is because for that level of football, like a guy I think about is like a like a Paul Smith at TU, you know, some of the guys they've had over the years, some who have had a cup of coffee in the NFL, who I would say are probably a little bit better than Gabriel, but Tulsa's kind of close to home. So I keep an eye on that. They have had some solid quarterbacks come through there who were really good, not quite to the level of what you need to be at at OU. And I, I do think Jackson sitting a year, I know we've talked about him playing, and it isn't even necessarily that I or, or other Sooner fans want to see that happen. It, it's more of you've got to play the more talented guy who gives you a best the the best chance to make key plays that contribute to winning in the game. But if you can have a guy come in who's maybe, you know, it, let's say Jackson's ceiling is a 96. If you got a guy who can come in who can be a solid 85 to 90, you let that guy play, let Jackson sit a year cuz Caleb is a great example of what that looks like. Caleb showed a number of things he could do in his first season at an only season at OU. He came out there and flashed all over the field, but then you saw him play against Baylor. You saw a couple other games and yeah, you could say coaching and game planning and all that, but there were still mistakes that were made that were really just kind of youngster mistakes, you know, missing assignments, not knowing some of the reads that there's a, a level of competency that, it just takes you a solid year or more to get that down. Whereas he came in this year and he won the Heisman for a reason. I mean, the guy was borderline unstoppable. And a lot of the, the whether it's the turnovers, whether it's missing a few passes high, whether it was sailing some balls, he, he got a lot of that stuff fixed in the second year. and but. People forget Baker sat out a year. Kyler had two years sitting out. You know, Jalen had the year behind Tua where he got to, you know, go in the lab to an extent. And it's a little bit harder sometimes to refine those tools when you know you're going to be the guy and all of your focus is on being the guy, not this narrow focus of, okay, I know I'm not going to play this year, so I've got to spend every waking moment getting better at my game you can expend a little bit more energy at the process of getting better with dg he's i think he's at his ceiling and what i think it'll be interesting again not to kind of belabor that point but the tcu game was very telling and tcu is going to be playing in the playoff not to say their defense is to the caliber of some of those other guys, but you don't get to that game without having at least a handful of dudes. And DG just looked, uh, outside of that and maybe West Virginia, two of his worst games of the year, um, even before he was injured, none of it looked pretty. And against Florida State, you're, you got a team with some NFL talent at different positions. The windows are tighter. We will just have to wait and see. Moving to the other side of the ball, though, I think, if anything, this is probably what intrigues fans the most because you're going to see some guys who we haven't seen play a lot. They're going to get some more run this year. You know, not a whole lot of changes as OU did not have a ton of guys want to play in the NFL or be able to play in the NFL off this defense, but there's a little bit. Right, Watu um, or Watu or Garner, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's Garner. Be able to leave and be drafted. Uh, but I mean, there was a few things. I, I guess people pointed out you're going to see 
a little less of a Jalen Redmond because he's not going to be playing. So you got a little more Isaiah Coe, a little more Johnson, a little more Kelly. Um, Kip Lewis, uh, number two on the depth chart behind Stutzman. Uh, you got an or on Jake McCoy, Jaron Kanick. I don't know if that's been like that all season. I'm curious. Um, but a lot of talk. This defense has gone through the ringer. They've given up 35 points six times or more, uh, or six times on the year. They're facing an offense with a mobile quarterback, as we said. The offense for OU is going to have a tough time keeping up. I think that is just going to be the nature of the beast. The defense is going to have to play well. Uh, I believe we've heard that Grayson is you know, moving a little bit inside. They're, they're working with him there, uh, but it still might end up... Uh, nope, they got him on the depth chart, too, uh, as a nose tackle. So interesting. Nah, he's a tackle, brother. He's a tackle. Yeah. I know, I know they, Caleb wants him to be, and then he's a tackle. They have him as a tackle for, for the foreseeable future. He's a tackle now. So, so what do you see coming out of this defense in this game? They've got some time to prepare. We know that Venables didn't forget how to coach defense. He's going to have some things, whether you see it all in the first quarter and then Florida State figures it out, figures it out or you know, whatever be the case. What do you expect from this team? Yeah, the chess match isn't working in our favor, right? It just isn't. If we had a chess board and we were talking about the flexibility of positions and really looking at the game from a lens of um, the makeup of our teams, our strengths are on defense is facing a quarterback who is going to be in a position where we know he will be, right? On the spot is the term they use. If we have a quarterback who's going to be on the spot and we know where to rally to go get him, or a quarterback who is not a good, as good an athlete as our second level, de- second level defenders, we're in good shape. Great example is West Virginia. JT Daniels is in the game. The defense looks like gangbusters. They put the other kid in who's a smaller, more mobile kid who clearly is a better athlete than our second level defenders. All of a sudden, we can't stop them. Well, Florida State's quarterback is probably better than the West Virginia quarterback in, in his mobility. And the kid's got an arm. I watched them play against LSU. I watched them play against Clemson. I watched, I mean, I watched Florida State four or five times and he dealt with some injuries midseason. And I, that was part of the reason they had the two game losing streak when they lost to NC State and then they lost to uh, Clemson in back to back weeks. But I got to tell you, man, like it's going to be a problem for us because one, we don't get pressure from our ends. And two, our ends are not very, um, stable at holding the edge we we don't have we don't have integrity on the edges we give up the edges entirely too easily and the other thing is our quarterbacks versus jordan travis is excuse me our linebackers versus jordan travis is i just don't have faith that they will be able to close angles off if he breaks if he gets on the edge, if he steps up in the pocket and shoots out the either B gap, they are now going to have to come up and make plays in the games we struggled the most, right? We struggled against West V. We struggled against Kent State for a while and their quarterback. We struggled against TCU, right? We, str- I mean, like in the games where a quarterback has the ability to beat us with his legs, especially if they can throw the ball our kryptonite or it was our kryptonite this season and like you said the beauty we have coach v coach bv is going to he's had time to do a um a self-assessment on his team and i i hope i think i pray they have more opportunities for guys like canic to know his responsibilities in the spire quarterback or maybe a, a, i saw bowman at the end of the season coming into the box and sometimes he was by the quarterback because we're gonna we're gonna need a spy just for the quarterback the other problem is that we got a couple tailbacks that are also really good too. They got two really good. They got a freshman running back who is, is a stud. I, I got to go back and look at his name and they've got a vet coming back. And so I look at that game and I say to myself, are we even going to be able to stop the run game and RPO to put them in a position to have to do their second thing? Right. Go look at TCU. You brought it up. All TCU did was running game, RPO, 
and then throw the occasional deep ball to keep our, our secondary back. That's all they did. They didn't have to do anything else. They ran the ball for over 200 yards. They threw the ball for over 200 yards. Um, and all their guys got in on the fun. And their quarterback took 168 or something like that to the house and outran everybody in the process. I I hope we don't line up in what we just line up in and think that because you're wearing a crimson or a white jersey, I don't know if we're home or away, that the second level and, and, and the outside edge defenders are going to just make it happen in a season where they've consistently shown they have it. So from a defensive end lens, I'm I'm concerned, just being very honest, because our weaknesses are their strengths and their strengths are our kryptonite. So we are going to need to really come strategically prepared and have done some personnel changes and or switches and or you know uh disguising to kind of screw them up pre-snap or you know have somebody coming from different angles and different areas to put pressure on the quarterback or to put pressure on quick game because if we don't i you know what i think he's gonna do Barry. i think he's gonna do a bunch of run blitzes i think that's the only thing we can do yeah we know du's good coming forward right stuntsman's the best we got on the second level and he's average He's not terrible, but he's definitely not great. But if you can have DU canceling a gap, and and when you when you generally do a run blitz, it it allows the DNs to get upfield and shorten the porch, so like they don't have some other thing to do, or they're or they're looping and a tackle's coming and and killing the edge either or. But if we run run blitzes and trust our DBs to you know they got to play pretty much one on one coverage for the most part, some of them will have safety help, sometimes they won't. At least we're canceling out opportunities for them to just methodically get 12 yards and eight yards and nine yards and six yards. And we're, we're making the game one where the quarterback has to make quick snaps, uh, snapshot decisions versus if we play that 30 and we're just allowing everybody to read and the flow of action to happen. Oh man, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be watching paint dry uh, in the middle of. August in Miami with a Parker on, you know, with, with the beanie on, you know what I'm saying? Trying not to lose weight and be dehydrated. Like, forget about it. it you know, we're going to die a slow death. So I don't know, but I think coach is going to say our limitations are this. So let's minimize them by run blitzing and putting pressure on them early. Um, and then, and then once we've done that and he's really good at it, he can show it and then jump out of it and make them get into bad ways. Mm. A, f- a few numbers I want to throw at you. They're just on the Florida State side. Florida State outscoring opponents 218 to 77 in the last five games, outgaining them 2,453 to 1,363. So the these two teams, it's just, it, it's not necessarily the fairest of matchups. Uh, Rodney Hill was the uh, running back's name, by the way. I want to give that, that guy credit. But uh, Trey Benson leads them in yards, close yep. to a 1,000-yard rusher. You've yep. got two guys on the defensive line in love it and verse. It is... And you got a guy at uh, the not really backer, but the, uh, Akeem Dent is more like a uh, almost like the cheetah position in BV's defense. Yep. Just kind of all over the field. Uh, they call him kind all- of a guy. By the way, stud, bro. He's a stud. LSU game. Go watch the LSU game. He was killing people, or he was making plays all over the field. Good player. Yeah, it, it's just OU should probably. We talked about it before. This was probably a game they should not have been in. This is definitely a helmet game that the the cheese it bowl sort of lucked into, and just reading a few kind of uh, nuggets from that, the cheese it is very specific on like the phrasing of things. So more than one cheese it is not to be called cheese its. You just call them cheese it crackers. So you cannot turn cheese it to plural. I thought that should be important. For the fans down there to know. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I Come can't on, believe bro. I'm not I a cheese guy. You're giving me the cheese <laughs> almanac of statistics, bro. The, the, the proper language, the linguistics of cheese, man. 
If they don't throw them, listen, we better, let me say this. Let me say this, B. Let me get back on football. I don't give a damn what the matchup says. We better go out there to play to win. Like, I, I, we, we look at the, the chess board. Yeah, they got some better pieces. Guess what? They're still a chess master. So I, I know this is emotional and, and the data doesn't support it. There's a lot of things working against our favor. You pulled up numbers. You know, we talk personnel. We look at matchups. It's not very good. We look at the psyche of our freaking quarterback. It's not good. So what? We got to go out there and those guys on any given Saturday, you win or you lose. And when you cross those white lines, Bob Stoops wasn't saving us. Steve Spurrier Jr. was not saving us. Guess what? They did all of the analytics. And I think we were a 10-point dog as the only undefeated team playing in the toughest conference, having beaten K-State, which probably was the most brutally physical team in America, twice. And we were dogs. And, and you know what? They had Javon. Uh, they had Javon Walker and they had Anquan Bolden and they had Antris Bell and they had Travis Mike. By the way, everybody talked about Snoop Menace. Go look at who have better NFL careers. Javon Walker, Antris Bell and Anquan Bolden have better careers than Snoop Menace. And they had the, the Heisman winner and Travis Minor and Reynolds at, at end and Gibson at safety. And I mean, they have these dudes. Guess what? Excuse my French. I didn't give a fuck. You know what? Y'all got to practice. We got a scheme and we believe in us. So I am not going to be like, let's wear the white flags in the second quarter and hope that we just show up. And nah, man, y'all boys better go out there and, and, and go get this winning season to keep that tradition alive. Tradition is important at OU. And, you know, I, I wanted to be honest because I like to be honest and keep it a buck. But I also got to we can't make uh, excuses or Ask for permissions at OU. You just can't do it. If we were playing Ohio State tomorrow, guess what? We got to show up and play ball. No one's going to save us. So them boys better go out there or they're going to hear from me. And, and there's channels for me for them to hear what my opinion is. There are ways for what I have to say. And I ain't talking about the pod. There are ways that we as alumni have communication with the current players and uh, I mean, Coach V asked me to speak to the team anyway sometime in the offseason, and I will be absolutely bringing it up. They play like some poodles tomorrow. So as you talk about Cheez-Its and the proper linguistics, <laughs> we got to let our boys know y'all better not punk out. They better play hard and at least play with pride. That's what I'm looking to see. The bowl games, man, you just don't know. It is such a crapshoot. Motivation matters. The, the OU team that went out and beat Alabama had no business beating that team in uh, 2013, I think it was, man, almost a decade ago, or just about a decade ago. Uh, so all that being said, DMAC, um, I, I'm going, if I'm picking the game, picking with the, the mind and not the heart, uh, I'm saying this is probably an FSU victory. I'm going 38 31 FSU. Where do you stand on this one? You want my heart or you want my my mind? <laughs> well, let's go with the mind. But well, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> I think we lose by two scores. Mm. And by the way, that could be that could be 37 to 24 in a game where they're comfortable enough ahead, but our guys don't stop, but we're just never in a position to really put pressure on them. Or it could be 27 to 10. So I, I'm just saying my mind tells me from an athletic standpoint, from a psyche standpoint, um, and here's his other piece, Barry, I'm not playing. But if I heard me say that about us and I was playing, I'd be pissed. Like if I was the player listening to the the person me say that, I'd be upset. But I'm not playing in the game, so I know how I would respond. How they showed me they respond isn't how our guys respond. Like Team Marshall, he'd be calling an all players meeting. And and by the way, we had a meeting about Snoop. By the way, we we absolutely spoke about the fact that people said Snoop Minutes ain't playing and da da da. We we absolutely had that conversation. And you know, we all aside decided unanimously. We don't give a 
whoever they lined up. They could have lined Peter Warwick and Charlie Ward up there. We didn't care. Warwick done too. That was just our mentality going into that game. So I don't feel guilty as a patron of fan saying they're probably two scores better than us. My heart never allows me to choose losing. So with my heart, I'll say 30 to 28, we kick a game-winning field goal, 27 to 28, as the clock expires, and beat them the same way Ole Miss beat us in the 2000 Independence Bowl. Let's go. I like that. And the, the Sooners have another interesting streak. We obviously talked about the winning season, and that is the most important. But I got a little bit of trivia for you, DMAC. Who was the, and you may actually know this right off the top. So OU has a six and one record against Florida State. OU has won the last six games against Florida State, and you were part of one of those. Uh, that they beat them again in 10, beat them in 11 down in Tallahassee. But the last time Florida State beat OU was in 1964. Who was the leading receiver for Florida State in that game? In 64? 64. Well-known name. Top of my head, I have zero clue. Florida State, I'm a 90s Florida State guy. Talk to me about <laughs> work done, Charlie Ward, and talk to me about D Brooks. And I don't know. Who was it? Give me, give it to me. Fred Bolitnikov. Wow, you're kidding me. Last time Florida, I, I actually didn't know. I, I looked that up. I was going into some history on the game. Last wow. time Florida State beat OU, Bolitnikov. The the namesake of the award, award given itself. to the best receiver. Yep. Leather helmets and kicker face masks. Got it. Man, different, different era. So that means something. Oh, you need to go out there and get the win. Uh, bowl games are just a, a different animal. Uh, but DMAC, before we uh, get out of here today, I know Sooner Nation is going to want some thoughts on what one of their uh, favorite sons was able to do. Over this uh, holiday week, uh, Baker Mayfield, man, he's uh, on a nice little stretch. Mm. What do you think about what he uh, what he did up there in L.A. the other day, man? He laid, I mean, he went out there and balled 24-28. I think he finished with like a 150 uh, QB rating. He's on a hot streak, man. He looks like the guy Sooner fans are a little more familiar with. What do you think of that game against Denver? You know, it's interesting. Um, Baker's a transcendent college player. There's no way, two ways about it. You can't, it's, as much as the pundits want to hate, they do. But when you go up to that next level, it is a new devil. And what we know about the NFL is there's about five or six dudes that play quarterback that are just better than everybody else. And we're talking about the Burroughs and we're talking about the, obviously the Mahomes and, you know, the kid in Buffalo. They tried to throw two in there. He ain't there yet. But then after those six or seven guys, generally everyone else in dem- a fit, um, culture, and style of play matter. I think what Ake is proving is with the right leadership in the right program, And because here's the deal, he's doing it with scrubs. It's not like he's doing it with Cooper Cup and he's doing it, you know what I'm saying, with, uh, with, with, with the starting player that the tight end is out. Cup is out. Your boy uh, ODB never came back. Uh, The kid they got from or the guy they got from Chicago is out for the year. I mean, all their starting guys are out. So Bake's doing it with like the training camp threes. You know what I'm saying? So it's what it says is Baker Mayfield is a player who in the right situation with the right program, with an offensive mind who knows how to use his skill sets is still a starting NFL caliber quarterback. And I love it. I'm a huge Baker fan. I think he got railroaded by Cleveland and by all of the NFL pundits who are on the ESPNs of the world, the NFL networks of the world. They they treat him like, you know, he didn't deserve what he got. And the fact of the matter is, is he was a transcendent college player in a, in a year where their quarterback uh, draft was not stellar. 
Actually, he did come out on a really good draft. <laughs> actually, when you go look at the guys he came in with, he actually came in with Daniels. I mean, uh, Josh, he came in with studs, actually. If you go back and look, he actually did. I think he's Lamar. I think he's uh, uh, Buffalo. He burrows the year after him. But there's two or three yeah. guys in his in his class alone who are studs, but doesn't take away from the fact that Big deserves an opportunity to continue to have the chance to start in the NFL, and he's earning it on the field. He's he's showing that Cleveland was a cesspool. He's showing that Carolina, aside from the you know the the Cam Newton with the, the Rivera days, is a is a twenty year cesspool as well, and that a program like the Rams is one where, you know, a, a, a competent quarterback can go be successful. And if, if he, if he does this for two more weeks, if Bake goes out for two more weeks, you know, two to three tugs, 70 plus percent complete completion percentage. And he's doing it with scrubs. I'm just telling you, Stafford's got a, a better arm, but Bakes always had a better mind than him. Always from Georgia through Stafford's time in Detroit to even last year. Stafford, Stafford is is probably a 91 when it comes to his mind. He's going to throw the ball to the other team a couple times. He's going to trust his arm a couple times when he shouldn't. And by the way, Bake's done it too. But Bake is a guy who, if he's in a position where, hey man, just take what they give you, Bake's going to eat you alive. And it looks like his, his accuracy is back, which is really good. It's really good to see because when his accuracy, his accuracy is back, he's a tough player. So Looking forward to them winning two more games. They're in our division, but we've obviously already won the division. Now we're going for the top two or one seed in the NFC, talking about the Niners. And it's always good to have a, a Sooner representing the brand and being successful and doing good things. I'm a huge fan. I wanted to continue to kick ass. Yeah, it's been exciting to watch, man. Putting a 50-piece up on Denver. He's got two more weeks left to do it. They got the Chargers, and then they've got the Seahawks. So going to be interesting to see how he uh, finishes this thing out. Uh, but the game that Sooner fans I know are most interested in is going to be this Cheez-It Bowl. Takes place tomorrow, Thursday, December 29th. It's going to be 4.30. L- little weird afternoon kick time. 4.30 Central Standard Time. 5.30 over there on the East Coast for all of our East Coast listeners uh we've given you guys the the rundown but uh dmac any closing thoughts on this thing man as the sooners get ready to go into their final game for team 128 wasn't quite the season oh oh you wanted but there's a chance to at least finish on the on the winning side of this what's kind of your final thoughts this is just dawned on me this is our last preview show for the first season of the pod, we'll do a yeah, post game, obviously. But, but, what, 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 what are some of the closing thoughts just on this whole book uh, of of this Sooner team? Bob Stoops always talked about the bowl game being the preseason of the next season. Bob Stoops always talked about how you play in that bowl game is going to be the narrative that is heard that you're going to hear all off season. Um, Bob Stoops always talked about earning a position. The bowl game is the first opportunity to earn a position. I presume that BV is echoing uh, those same sentiments and I'm sure some other things that he's learned along the way. I hope the guys are taking advantage of the opportunity in front of them. Um, I, I really just watch some of these games and you can see some players just literally give up. It's kind of like it's kind of like a cultural thing to do now. It's so lame to me. I don't, I'll never understand it. It transcends to other aspects of your life. You will become a quitter and or a wuss in other areas of your life if that's something you take on as an athlete. So I look forward to our guys doing that. What I will also say, Barry, is I honestly don't see how we score 31 points. So I hope we win. Like <laughs> 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 we get in the end zone five times, man. I'm just telling you, we get in the end zone five times. I will be surprised and pleasantly, obviously. So in doing so, um, but man, it's been a blast. Uh, you know, when we started this thing in July, I never imagined what it would be here in December, getting ready to go into the new year. I look forward to a lot of people have been, uh, let me say this on the air. Let me say this on the air. Someone needs to teach me how to do those gifs, man. I got a lot of plays I want to show people 
where you can just post a GIF or a really quick video and, you know, just simply see some of the things that are happening in games. So in the off season, I plan on getting better and learning that skill to supplement some visuals and what we're doing. And then obviously I'm going to call us both out and say, Hey man, I don't think we're two of the ugliest guys in the world. Let's do video next season. Let's get our, let's get our ugly mugs on video so I can show my hat game off. And, uh, uh, you know, we can have two mediums versus just the audio. Those are my closing thoughts. Super grateful. Love you, bro. You're a solid guy, man. Big partner to be in business with. I look forward to continue to working together. I love it. I, I Likewise. Likewise. Uh, well, Sooner Nation, it's been a fun little year doing these previews. We've got more conversation over there on Sooners360.com. So go check it out. Make sure that you're following all of the, the social media. We're posting our updates, posting fun stuff over there. The conversation is rocking. Um, it is at Barry and Mac SHW on Twitter. Go follow the Instagram at the Barry and Mac Show. You can find DMAC on Twitter at D underscore Mac 13. I am at the letter B W I S E Fitness at B Wise Fitness. Make sure to go give us the, the, the follow, tongue tied there. Leave us a rating and review and uh, do, do all those fun things. But Sooner Nation signing off for the first season of our preview shows we'll be back with the post game want to thank you all so much for listening Uh, thank you all so much for the support and we will see you 